Chapter 22 Jake My name is Jake. I was in Paragon Falcon Wharf searching for Cassie when Marco came rushing up, flopping at full speed. I found her, he said, but his thought-speak voice was grim. What's happened? I demanded. The short version? She's a controller now, and if we don't call butt, we're dog food. I absorbed the sudden shock. No time for feeling scared for Cassie. I had to act, but we would need everyone together, and that would take time. We were spread out over 20 miles of forest. Cassie's parents had started worrying when she didn't come back from supposedly fixing the water trough. Her mother had started calling all her friends, starting with Rachel. Her dad had gone out to where the trough was and found Cassie's favorite mare wandering around outside the fence, scratched up, wet, with its saddle over on one side. Her dad knows wild animals. He found the bear tracks. He followed the horse and bear tracks until it got too dark to see. They called the cops and the park service. A search was organized. But it's almost impossible for people to find a single person in a hundred square miles of forest. Rachel called me. I called the others. Marco said something he didn't really mean about Cassie not being an anamorph anymore, so she wasn't our problem. Rachel knocked him on his butt. Marco is my best friend, but there are times I admire Rachel's directness. We spent the night in Owlmorphs, floating silently above the forest. Owls see blackest night like noon with a cloudless sky. But all we were seeing were the many little forest animals and, occasionally, the search parties and their flashlights. It was Marco who figured out that we were making a mistake. Looking with eyes wasn't the only way. He morphed to wolf and used his incredible sense of smell to follow the scent of the mare to the edge of the river. We found a torn strip of fabric hanging from a bramble bush. Kelsey had gone into the river. Then, we overheard some of the searchers talking. It wasn't just Cassie who was missing now. There was a little girl named Karen. When the sun came up, we switched to bird of prey morphs, and we focused on following the course of the river. To tell you the truth, we were mostly looking for a body laying in the water. I mean, of course we still hoped she was alive, but we knew Cassie had all the powers of morphing available. Surely, if she were alive and okay, she would morph and fly home. We spread out, far and wide, looking for any clue. And I guess Marco had finally found it. Now, with all of us gathered together, Marco told everything he knew. He told how Cassie had revealed herself to the controller, Karen. He told how she had saved Karen from the leopard with Marco's unwitting help. And he told how Cassie had allowed herself to be made into a controller in a desperate ploy to save the human girl, Karen. She's an idiot, Marco concluded savagely. Right now, that yerk in her head knows everything. Everything! Why would Cassie do this? Axe wondered. It is obvious that this controller must be eliminated. Cassie must have had a reason, Rachel said. Of course she had a reason, I said. Yeah, what? Marco demanded. What reason could she have for giving us all up to the Yurks? You really don't know, Marco? I asked him. 
You really don't know why someone would not want to kill. Or even stand by and let someone else kill? She has no choice, Marco said. There's always a choice, Tobias said. I can't get mad at someone not wanting to take a life. I can't get mad at someone for thinking life is sacred. I just can't. It surprised me, him coming to Cassie's defense. Tobias lives as a pure predator. For him, killing is something he has to do for breakfast. This is war, Rachel said coldly. We're fighting for our lives. We have a right to do whatever it takes to win. Maybe we'll lose. Maybe we'll win, I said. But if we win, and someday it's all over, you'd better hope there are still plenty of Cassies in the world. You'd better hope that not everyone has decided it's okay to do whatever it takes to win. Everyone fell silent for a while, and we just flew hard. It was strange, the silence. I'm supposed to be the leader, although every day that goes by, I wish a little more that I wasn't. But one thing a leader does is try to understand his people. I understood them. I understood Axe's near silence. This was a matter between humans, not his business. I understood Rachel's anger. She felt like she was being accused of being immoral compared with Cassie. I understood Tobias after thinking about it for a minute. Tobias is a human being living inside a hawk. Holding onto human ideas and human virtues is important to him. He values pity and kindness because he lives in a world where there is no pity. I understood Marco. Marco is one of those people who jumps right to the conclusion without a lot of wondering and guessing. You could say he's smart, or efficient, or I guess you could say he's ruthless. He's not mean or cruel, he just gets from point A to point Z faster than most people. So what are we going to do when we get there? Rachel asked after a while. I don't know, I admitted. Let's see if we find her first. I just found her, Rachel said. There's an osprey just breaking out of the trees. It's her. I see it, Tobias said. We all saw it, and we knew that the osprey saw us. Chapter 23 Jake We flew toward the osprey, but it soon went below the trees and out of sight. It was quite a distance away, and we'd been in morph for a long time. We need to land and demorph, I said. We can't, she'll get away. Marco said, Ox, how's our time? We must demorph, Prince Jake, unless we wish to become trapped in these morphs. Down we went, spiraling down through the warm updrafts to land on the shady forest floor. We quickly demorphed, all but Tobias, of course. He stayed aloft, keeping an eye out. Then, after a few minutes rest, we morphed again and took to the air once more. Now we had a solid two hours, but we had also given Cassie, or the Yurk Insider, plenty of time to hide or escape. We flew toward where we'd last seen her. Through the trees, we began to catch glimpses of a search force up ahead. Those are state police uniforms, Tobias observed. We have to find Cassie and that girl Karen before they do, I said, but I wasn't thinking anything more about it than that. We flew above the dozen or so cops. What the? They're shooting at us, 
pistols, rifles, and even automatic weapons were firing up at us. The bullets whizzed past me, one so close the wind from it ruffled my feathers. They're controllers! Rachel yelled. She warned them! Just keep flying! I said. We'll be past them in a few... Ah! I looked left and saw Rachel fall from the sky. With Paragon eyes, I could see the blood coming from her tail. She'd been hit. Hit too badly to keep flying. She'd have to demorph and remorph. But the woods below were full of controllers. Fine. Marco said. They want to fight? We'll give them a fight. No. I said. It's what they want. Or at least it's what that jerk wants. Tobias, keep flying. Find Cassie. Everyone else, with me. Rachel dropped down toward the treetops. I could hear their human controllers yelling in savage glee. I dropped like a rock. Nothing on earth is faster in a dive than a peregrine falcon. I aimed straight for Rachel. The wind blew past me like I was in a hurricane. Faster, faster, the ground rushing up to hit me. Rachel was five feet from hitting the ground. And just below her, a human controller waited, grinning, holding an automatic rifle. Full speed! I raked my talons forward. Swoop! I hit Rachel hard. It could almost have killed her, except that I absorbed some of the shock into my legs. I grabbed and opened my wings, hoping to save some momentum. Hey! The controller yelled, sounding very human. Now, let me put this in perspective. Rachel was in Bald Eagle Morph. I was in Falcon Morph. They are both birds of prey. But they're similar like a Cocker Spaniel is similar to a Great Dane. The eagle was huge. The white head alone would have been too much for me to carry. The odds of me flying away holding her were zero. All I could do was hope to get her a few feet away from the controller. But even that wasn't happening. I took the limp weight of the eagle on my talons, spread my wings, flapped like mad, and fell like a rock. From the sky, there fell a gray and white missile. Axe flared his hairier wings, swooped neatly, and sank both talons into Rachel's bloody tail. We were still falling, but now at least we were gliding away from the nearest controller. He stomped toward us. We hustled and dragged Rachel's unconscious body over sticks and rocks and through bushes. But the human controller was plenty fast enough to keep up. We have to fight, I said. Demorph, Axe! Axe released his grip on Rachel, flirted a distance away behind some trees, and began to demorph. The human controller saw me hopeless with Rachel. <laughs> I have you now. <laughs> what are you, the Joker? I thought. Suddenly, something blew past me, leaving trails of blood on the man's face. Ah! He cried, clutching at his eyes. Marco sailed past. They're coming! He yelled. It's fight or flee time! I looked to see Axe, halfway into Andalite Morph. Marco and I were still 100% bird. Rachel was out cold. Marco and I would have to pass through Human Morph before we could get into anything dangerous. Axe, finish demorphing, grab Rachel, and run! I said. Marco, you and I are out of here! I could hear voices, even over the yelling and cursing of the injured controller. Footsteps and large bodies shoving through bushes. Axe? 
I said. I can carry her. He answered. Still not totally Andalite, Axe ran over, scooped up Rachel in his weak Andalite arms, and turned tail to run like a deer. I flopped my wings, praying for a breeze, and skimmed across the ground. Marco was right behind me. Four men appeared. We were flying straight at them. They raised their guns. We flopped like lunatics and skimmed inches above their heads. They began blazing away. The bullets blew past us. But then we found that breeze, filled our sail-like wings, and rose up, 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 above the trees and out of sight. Chapter 24 Jake We met up a few minutes later, out of the paths of the human controllers. Axe easily outran the humans, even carrying the big eagle. It only became difficult when Rachel suddenly woke up. What are you doing? Put me down! I'm going back and finding the guy who shot me and... Rachel, glad you're awake. Now, shut up and demorph. I said. I was frantic. The battle had cost us time. Too much time. And now Rachel demorphing and remorphing would cost us more time. Marco, go after Tobias. See if you can help. Keep track of the yerk, whatever body it's in. You have some kind of instructions for me, oh fearless leader? Yeah, I do. The Yurk does not make contact with anyone. I don't care if it's in Cassie or that girl Karen. Neither of them gets away. No matter what. Marco hesitated for a moment. You mean... I mean, one way or the other, neither Cassie nor that girl gets away. Marco muttered a curse. How did it come to this? He wondered. But he flew away at top speed. I felt sick inside. It was right that I make the decision. And it was probably the right decision to make. But, oh man, I felt like I'd swallowed broken glass. Hurry up! I yelled at Rachel. I wanted someone to be mad at, and she was the first person I saw. Rachel quickly demorphed back to human. Because the eagle morph is merely DNA, when she remorphed it, the bullet wound was gone. Axe decided to stay on the ground, and I agreed. We were close enough that he could run, and we might need his blade. Rachel and I took off again. I instantly spotted Tobias circling over a small meadow just a few thousand feet away. We sped toward him. Marco was not in sight. Tobias, what's happening? Rachel demanded. You really don't want to know, Tobias said harshly. We caught up to him and looked down at the scene below. There, a little girl, Karen squatted in the grass, looking intently at a leaf. I focused my falcon eyes and saw tears running down the little girl's face. Then, I saw what she was looking at. It was a caterpillar. It hung, squirming, from the bottom of the leaf. I don't know how I knew, but somehow, I did. I landed a few feet away. Rachel landed beside me. Karen looked at us without surprise. It's too late, she said simply. What's too late? Rachel demanded. She did it, Curran said. She gave her life. I watched her for almost two hours. I kept expecting her to change her mind. But she did it. She gave her life for this little human girl. And because she thought she could make peace, with one enemy at least. Rachel and I stared in horror at the caterpillar. 
It was hanging straight down. It was shedding its outer skin, pushing the skin up its body. And even now, it was carefully, cautiously, stepping out of its old skin. Right at the end, right before the two hours were up, I told her to stop. I told her she'd proven herself to me. I begged her to stop, to demorph. Karen raised her green eyes to me. But I'd forgotten. I don't think the caterpillar could hear. At least, not speech. She didn't know that I had seen enough. And now... Cassie! I screamed. Cassie, demorph! Demorph! Too late, Curran said again, and slowly rose to her feet. Cassie! Rachel cried. Oh god, no! Cassie! There were the sound of hooves, and Axe arrived at a run. Karen looked at him and sneered. Ah, of course. The Andalite Arths. What have you done, Yurk? Axe demanded. His tail twitched. I'll destroy you for this! No! Rachel yelled in a blinding rage. No! This Yurk is mine! She began to demorph at top speed, flesh and face emerging from feathers and beak. You fools! Don't you see? Karen cried. She gave her life to make some small fragment of peace. We have a deal. Cassie and I made a deal. She looked from one of us to the other. I guess she found no pity or understanding in our weird, demorphing faces. Karen turned and ran. She ran as fast as little girl legs could move on a swollen, bruised, and bloody ankle. Shall I get her? Axe asked calmly. No, Rachel said. She was human for the moment. Let her run. Let her feel what it's like to be helpless. I'll deal with her soon enough. And with that, Rachel began to morph from human into the African elephant whose DNA was part of her. Karen staggered and ran and fell. She reached the edge of the meadow and crawled into the trees. And that's when we saw the flash of black and tan. It fell, silent, from a tree branch. It dropped straight down on Karen. It opened its mighty jaws, bared its railroad spiked teeth, and prepared to sink those fangs into her unprotected neck. Ah! Karen screamed. I froze. I was in mid-demorph. Rachel was in mid-morph. Maybe Axe could save the girl from the leopard, but he wouldn't move unless I gave the order. And I just... froze. Did I think, good, let the leopard do our dirty work for us? Maybe. I don't know if I thought anything very clearly. Oh, oh, oh! Karen wailed as the leopard crouched over her, aiming for the perfect bite. And then... A hand! A huge, black, hairy hand came out from behind the tree. Fingers the size of Rotwurst closed on the scruff of the leopard's neck. Huge arms flexed, massive shoulders lifted, and the leopard was suddenly hanging in midair. I don't think so, kitty. Marco said. He spun halfway around and flung the leopard about 20 feet. Hello, Phanomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, I am your host, Daniel, and we are here. Uh, the penultimate episode. We have four chapters left, which I'm planning to do in one chunk because... While I haven't looked, usually the last chapter's like half a page long, 
Uh, so it'll probably work out time-wise. I mean, this whole book, the chapters have been a little short, which has been nice for me uh, from an editing standpoint, but uh, has led to some shorter episodes. So apologies for that, I guess. Uh, but that might not happen next week. Um, it's July 4th weekend, and I'm an American. Um, but more importantly, I guess, is I've been uh, I've started seeing someone, and her birthday is at the end of the month. So I'm probably going to not be working on this. I'll probably be hanging out with her. Um, I'll try to get something out, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, and this is your warning um, if it if it goes that way, which it likely will. Because, uh, I, I, I don't know, I, uh, I, I work on a pretty set schedule, and when that gets interrupted, I don't do a very good job at uh, compensating. Uh, that's just a me problem. Other than that, I don't have much else to say here uh didn't get any new sort of messages but if you'd like to write in you can do that uh, a variety of ways you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com audiomorphscast.tumblr.com uh on twitter at audiomorphs and of course my website theapocalypse.com that's the apocalypse like apocalypse but with a d in the middle uh i actually recently put out a new one-page rpg Loosely based on uh, the CW show Riverdale, uh, because I was bored and I had an off night from D and D, and I wanted to uh, do that. I had I have notes for a much longer, like full fledged RPG that uh, maybe one day I'll finish and compile into something. But uh, a one pager is is much easier. So I took a lot of the stuff I had written for for a bigger project and condensed it down into something a little simpler. So check that out, and uh, my other podcast that has come off hiatus, uh, finally, which is Into the Rewatch podcast, also found on the aforementioned website, theapocalypse.com, uh, which is a rewatch podcast me and my friend Jesse do. We're currently rewatching Riverdale. Uh, we're on season three. That is all I got, I think. Oh, uh, Apple Podcasts, rating, review, tell a friend, all of that, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to let you get on with your weekend. So have a great weekend. And I will maybe see you next week, but if not next week, definitely the week after. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>